Hello and welcome to the Act Natural podcast. I'm Brian Middleton. I am Heather Middleton. And I'm Janelle Sunshine. And uh, this is our introductory podcast. We're recording um, a quick introduction to what our objectives are with this podcast and hopefully a quick overview of what ACT, uh, also known as acceptance and commitment training or therapy, is. Um, But to start with, let's uh, ask Jenny Lee a little bit about Um, the mindful behavior group, because that is actually a big part of why this podcast is here. Absolutely. Um, Thank you, Brian. I'm I'm so stoked to be here with Brian and Heather today. I feel like this is such a treat. And it's it's kind of funny of of how this all even came to be. Um, So many of the listeners who who know me, generally sunshine, as I go by on Facebook, you follow my story. Um, you know, the, the health issues that, that I've had this year, several surgeries, I've knocked out of being able to do my job. So I basically was just tired of, of watching reruns on Netflix um, and, and trying to think, what can I do during all of this downtime to actually contribute, uh, contribute to my field, help my colleagues, help my mentees that, that have been a big part of my life. And, and I was just really thinking about what's valuable to me, um, mindfulness, certainly, acceptance, commitment therapy. That's something I've really started to dive into within the last year. Um, so I, I was just initially putting fillers out there for this of what can this look like? Um, I would love to bring on some yoga instructors, guided meditation. Um, oh, if we're going to do this, we may need a logo. And that's actually the call that I put out there on a group many of us are familiar with, Megan Miller's Do Better group. Uh, so I made a post on there, interested in having an artist who could create a logo. And Brian responded with his private account. I did not yet realize I was speaking with the infamous bearded behaviorist. Uh, but he responded, he has this company. Uh, that that once I get this logo or they could help make it and, and then they could do some some print stuff. So that wasn't even on my radar. Uh, so we ended up exchanging phone numbers. He calls me and then towards the end, it was, oh, by the way, I'm, I'm the bearded behaviorist. And I was like, oh my gosh, I can't believe, like, I love your stuff. That's incredible. I had no idea that's who I was talking to. Um, so that was so exciting for me. And immediately I was like, oh, I've, I've got to get him on board with mindful behavior and, and what I'm doing. And he told me that he was starting up a new pa- uh, podcast called Act Natural, which fit right into what I was wanting to do with, with mindful behavior. Um, so I asked Brian to, to come on as an admin and he agreed. And yeah, the, the rest is, is history. And funny story there. So I was planning on launching Act Natural after I passed um, my uh, board certified behavior analyst exam, and uh, which I did. Um, so I, I <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it's one of those things where I, I reward myself with more work. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's how it goes. <laughs> yeah. Sorry about that, folks. Where Heather and I are both recovering from a cold. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, so you know, it was one of those things where this was perfect because this goes right along the lines of um, trauma informed care is really important 
to me, both as a teacher, because that's what I was before I started into the behavior analysis field and in behavior analysis. And the reality is, is that um, there needs to be some very big changes on how we approach things. Um, not just in behavior analysis, but in all human services fields. Um, mm-hmm. the, the number of times I've heard horror stories about children with unique needs going to hospitals and being fully restrained instead of having mm-hmm. appropriate supports about situations in schools, um, about situations in, in, in all sorts of settings and how the idea of trauma-informed Um, needs to be spread and understood. And a big component of that is the ideas that ACT and other similar therapies present is Mm -hmm. if we don't um, take into account the internal events that people are experiencing, the thoughts, feelings, emotions, memories, and everything else that goes, then we're not really being trauma-informed where we're treating people as objects and not people and and so that's a big drive um in in all of my work um and heather's work too um that we we really are pushing for helping human services and parents and teachers and everybody understand a little bit more about themselves and the hope is is that um if we can get this message out there and make it easier for people to access, then the world will get better. That 100% agree with that. That was beautifully said. And uh, I do it because I'm selfish. I, I, a lot of people, <laughs> a lot of people laugh at that, but um, I, I'm a very selfish person and I'm a okay with that. Um, I want the world to be better for me and the people that I love. And how can the world be better if I don't do something to make it better? And so um, I want to expand my kitchen network. I want Mm -hmm. people to be extensions of my family because if if people are extensions of my family, then then the world gets a little bit better because we're a little bit kinder and a little bit gentler with each other and a little bit more forgiving and, and um, a little bit more human. And that's, I think that's one of the things that make humans so amazing. We have this desire to connect. So let's connect. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. And I, I, I love how you are, you're coming at this and, and you are a board certified behavior analyst while also being autistic and and we know right now just even but there's such a big disconnect between the two uh, and with the movement of the actually autistic and and i've watched how you've responded to um, some members of the actually autistic movement and it's always with so much humanity and compassion uh, I've, I've really admired how how you word things um, and you also you're not scared to, to point things out or, or be very frank in your discussions of this is my opinion on this or this this is what the data indicates but but you do so with so much grace and so much compassion and I, th- I believe it's it's just the perfect model too for for what we're trying to do with mindful behavior so I, I did want to just applaud you and how you do that. And so many other people have noticed it as well. 
Thank you. Um, I'm not perfect. I've, I've definitely screwed up more than once in that last. <laughs> <laughs> um, but that actually is a perfect segue into um, ACT because um, <clears throat> I'm an angry person. <laughs> or, I hear perhaps, <laughs> or perhaps I'm a person who experiences the emotion of anger. And there you go. Yes. That is self as context versus self as content. Um, self as content mm-hmm. was the first statement. I am an angry person. Um, mm-hmm. And that's, that's a story that, that I was told. And I told myself for years and years and years. Um, uh, and I came, um, I, I'm sorry, I ran headfirst into reality at about, about the age of 25. Um, I don't look that old. I am actually 35 right now. And we'll be 36 early. <laughs> um, I've always had a baby face and people always underestimate my age. And it's, it's great to get carded. So much fun. Uh, <laughs> um, I, I have the, I'm actually able to, to see Brian as we speak right now. I know the, uh, the listeners right now, you can't see our video, but he's telling the truth. I'm actually shocked that, that he's 36. <laughs> You're a vampire. <laughs> uh, apparently. <laughs> I can't wait until I get old gray hairs. Uh, I have one of my favorite jokes to say is I can't wait until I'm a crotchety old man sitting on my front front porch yelling at kids, get off my lawn, go play, come up here and play some checkers with me, you know? (laughs) You even have the perfect old man voice. (laughs) He's been really practicing it, so he really is looking forward to it. (laughs) Heather says he does this in the shower by himself every day. (laughs) Is that what you said? (laughs) But, you know, so I, I, I... ran headfirst into a wall at 25 of reality and my anger. And it, it was actually due to a previous relationship that had failed. And I was trying to understand what was going on. And that was about the time that I got my autism diagnosis because I was also a special ed teacher. And um, that's a fun story um, for another time, but long and short of it is I started reading and it started with, oh, such a beautiful book. Mistakes were made, but not by me is the name of the book. Mm -hmm. And uh, I I started going into understanding the psychology of justifying behavior. And then I started exploring further and I read the science of fear and then the gift of fear. And then I started diving deeper and finding all these different authors and all these different ideas that were really important. Um, uh, I will tell you right now that uh, one of my favorite authors of all time in, in this realm is Dr. Jonathan, Jonathan Haidt um, and his book, mm-hmm. um, The Righteous Mind, which goes into okay. a little bit of, of behavior um, from a social psychologist perspective and understanding um, how people speak and, and what they actually mean when they speak, which was kind of a primer to act. Um, Dr. Mm-hmm. Hay doesn't, isn't aware as, as far as I know of act research, or if he is, he doesn't mention it a whole lot, but is he the one that also does the happiness hypothesis? Yes. The happiness hypothesis okay. is a, I'm working on that book right now and I'm loving it. Um, yeah, I read that a few years ago and it, that was great. That was, that was definitely right into the whole arena of what we're talking about. So yeah, if, you, if listeners, you've not heard of that one, definitely recommend it's a, it's a 
fantastic read, at least as far as I've gone. Um, he, I, I wrote a critique of his uh, perception of behaviorism because <laughs> mm-hmm. he, okay. he pre- um, and I haven't published it yet because I'm waiting to finish the book because I want to be um, fair. But like at the same time, like the thing that I love about Dr. Haight is like every piece of feedback he's received, he's received graciously and he moves forward. Mm-hmm. Um, and so mm-hmm. if he does indeed read the critique, which I doubt he will, but if he does, I'm sure he'll be gracious <laughs> about it. Um, and, and uh, but, but that's again, a side note. So um, diving into these things, I, uh, I also have a very good friend, Robert, Bob, he's my business partner at legend masters. Um, that's the okay. print and design company we have. Um he was also going through this realm of discovery and, and we discovered that we were moving parallel in our discovery. And um, he is uh, also neurodiverse. He has Tourette syndrome. Um, And, and so he acted as sensory organs for me when it came to social things. And I acted as sensory Mm -hmm. organs or an organ for him in the way that I was processing and sharing information that I was perceiving. And so this created this beautiful feedback loop of us growing together. Um, and then I love that Heather came into the equation and Heather's also a big part of that feedback loop and we grow together and <laughs> it's wonderful. And I'm so grateful to have her in my life. Um, but uh, yeah. So when I had the opportunity to attend um Act for Behavior Analysts um, back in 2019. Uh, it's a conference in Sparks, Nevada with uh, Dr. Hayes. Um, mm-hmm. That was actually brought to my attention by the Daily BA, the Daily BA and Ryan O. Okay. Um, and so- Hey, I, Brian, Ryan, if you're listening. <laughs> hey, Ryan, thanks for bringing this stuff to my attention, man. I appreciate it. Uh, do the double fifth bump thing you like to do. <laughs> um, <laughs> but- uh, yeah, so I, I had an opportunity to go, and it was amazing and eye-opening because these are all ideas that I had been learning, but not from behavior analysis. Kind of like there were little, there were little mm-hmm. teensy bits that kind of applied, but were disconnected, and and my professors <laughs> didn't see it, and and me knowing my having my experience with people in academia uh, and their rigidity. Uh, I didn't want to bring it up because <laughs> I knew that I would immediately get punished if I did it wrong. <laughs> sort of. Oh thing. gosh. <laughs> I, I absolutely love how I'm not going to ask where you went to school. <laughs> I'm very open about it, but that's okay. We want to, that's, that, that's also sidetracked. That's so. a talk for another day. <laughs> um, but um, you know, the, and there are those few professors that, that, that are very open to it and, and that's fantastic. But when you're doing an online program, it, there's mm-hmm. there's just no patience for that. So um, this was that was the kind of thing that introduced me. And I need to backtrack real quick before Ryan O introduced me to act. My friend Brett Shumway, um, who was a uh, <clears throat> clinical psychologist, introduced it to me as well. And so it, <laughs> you know how something comes up multiple times, and then it's finally that last time that it brought it's brought to your attention that really gets your attention. Well. That's so Brett was really, I need to give him the credit where that's due. He, he introduced it to me because um, he was a school psychologist at the school I was at. And he actually introduced me to ideas to help with the kids. So um, mm-hmm. long and short of it, I was, I was practicing it without quite realizing it, but that's when the, the act conference really hit home is all these things were coming together. 
And um, I'm going to say this right now. ACT isn't the only way. There are multiple ways of approaching these ideas. Um, and the thing that Dr. Hayes, the, the, the founder and chief researcher over this, um, has said repeatedly with me in the room, and I've seen him on interviews say, is that the important thing isn't how, the important thing is that it happens, that people discover mm-hmm. it. And there's a lot of ideas that are, that are ancient wisdom um, that have come up and that ACT has, has tested and has proven to be effective. And so when it comes to things like meditation or prayer or um, different ways. Or yoga. Or yoga, yeah. <laughs> or uh, all these different things, they all have evidence-based things in them and they all work. And that's the reason mm-hmm. why they keep holding on is because they work. And what ACT is trying to do is it's not trying to disconnect from those beautiful things because they're beautiful. Mm-hmm. They're wonderful. Um, as Dr. Hayes said, uh, and, and I'm going to paraphrase him here. I don't care if you use crystals and candles. I care that you use it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I love that. And, and, and I loved it when I heard that because I was like, yes, because I have so many friends who are so <laughs> and it's wonderful. And I, and I love them. <laughs> and you if you look it's right. Yeah. I feel so reinforced by that. I lived in Asheville, North Carolina for the longest time and such that hippy dippy, kind of community and I'm not going to lie I do have some of my essential oils and crystals (laughs) they smell good and look pretty uh so yeah to to know that it's like okay yeah maybe maybe I'm onto something here (laughs) yeah exactly and and so that's I am by no means an expert and I will never be an expert because expert implies I know everything I am a specialist and I will specialize in in exploring and trying to understand the human condition um and, and that's, that's what I want this to be is uh, I want that act natural podcast um, to be us delving in and exploring and learning and growing together. Um, and uh, I've already invited a friend who wants to learn act and, and, and she said, well, I want to come on to your podcast, but I want to know more before I do. And I said, or how about you come on and we learn together? I love that. Yeah. Because that's the goal. Perfect. Like the goal is that we learn together and we grow together. And do we make mistakes? Yes, it's fine. Yeah. Embrace the mistakes. Um, <clears throat> do we have to be perfect? Well, that no. was even my, yeah, <laughs> that was my instinct when you and I were talking about setting this up, this initial conversation and then diving into act. And I, I was like, oh no, I'm not finished with my act immersion course yet that, that which is wonderful by the way definitely time consuming i'm on module five uh but but it's dr hayes uh, immersion course that he has and i think there's part of me that says once i finish this course uh then then i'm going to be a specialist in act where i know that that's not the case it's, it's an ever-growing uh, process to this and and i'm happy to come on board and talk about what i know what it means to me and understanding that the point of mindful behavior, the point of act natural, it, it's not for perfection. Um, actually, Brian lended his own personal motto to mindful behavior. Uh, I'm so stoked that we have that, but it's uh, we learn and grow together. And, and I love that. I love that philosophy. Yeah. Mm-hmm, me too. So um, anyways, that's, 
my long-winded way of introducing my side of things a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> um, did you want to yeah. mention anything, Heather? Or? About like how ACT was introduced in my life? Yes. Yeah. yeah, true. Um, <laughs> I, uh, let's see here. My first like memory of this was my mom actually read The Happiness Trap when I was a teenager. Ah, oh, yes. And she tried to, like, explain it to me, but I was a teenager, and was just like, Psh, whatever. <laughs> I forgot about it. And then, <laughs> and then and I, uh, it, and then after college and meeting, and then I moved into, uh, Brian and I uh, got married, we were living together, I was opening up a business, and I read a book. Um, and so there were some of these ideas that he was talking about about that same time where we hadn't had mm-hmm. like identified act yet. Um, uh, but we were talking about some of these ideas and then I read uh, one of my books uh, while I was working. It was The Confidence Gap by Russ Harris. Okay. And so that one. Well, that yeah, one, Russ like, Harris is the best. Yeah, I was like, okay, so there's some really different ideas in here. This is kind of really cool and interesting. I've never heard, like, like these self-help books tell me to, like, accept my feelings of fear. And, <laughs> uh-huh. and, so, uh, it, and so that was that. And then, then there was more conversation. It was a progression from there uh, and more readings and more uh, application. Uh yeah. It really just happened more organically for you. Like you didn't just try to push it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, it was very, and then it, like, very ha- it happened like that. It was just kind of together. And then after we moved uh, here to Colorado, we, in our company that we're working for, they were implementing ACT. And okay. in a uh, in a more formalized way, we were like, oh, okay, yeah, this is what the thing we've been like looking into and like, we actually are familiar with this. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Very cool. Yeah, that's amazing that you found a company that's already implementing it and supportive of the idea of, yeah, ACT and ABA can coexist together. Not only coexist, be super successful with it, too. I love it. Yeah, yeah exactly. And it, and, it, and it can be applied um, <clears throat> to, it's easiest to be applied to people who are highly verbal or at least have access to a lot of verbality. Mm-hmm. But... Um, I have seen it successfully applied and have access successfully applied it with little children um, mm-hmm. and with uh, non-vocal uh, clients. Um, in fact, one of the clients that, that we work with, um, <clears throat> we had a lot of issues with aggression. And this was mm-hmm. kind of a last stop for this kid because of that challenge. Um, and it was, it was just really hard because we were talking about three or four times per day, regardless of where he was at, lashing out mm-hmm. and, and, and hurting himself and others. And, and for some reason, I had the best instructional control, um, me and another mm-hmm. peer. Um, we both had a very similar instructional control. Uh, and we still had a lot of, but it was definitely less by comparison when we, when we broke up the data. Um, and sure. I was just dying 
from sadness about this kid because it was just I, I wanted him to be able to access the things he wanted to I wanted him to be able to to do the things he he wanted to do and that sort of thing and, and it was just it was just heartbreaking and one night mm-hmm. I went to bed thinking about it and I went to sleep and it's one of those you know eureka moments I woke up in the middle of the night sitting up and I was like what are his values <laughs> like We've been asking that question kind of, but like, what are his values? Mm-hmm. And, you know, he's, he's non-vocal. He had mostly mm-hmm. nods and shakes of his head. He kind of used a, a, a Proloquo app on an iPad, but not really type thing. And, and, and so I, I started, I talked to my BCBA because at the time I was an RBT and a behavior analyst in training. Um, and, and I got her okay on it. And, and I, and I uh, started probing and, and asking him questions. And um, I definitely had to shape it to his level because there's, um, you know, his, his intellectual level is, is not the same as, you know, a college student or somebody who would deep dive and act on their own. Um, but, you know, I started asking these questions and probing and probing and found out that the three core values that he has based off this probing and asking and testing and testing and testing were um, being heard, listening, connecting, and being safe. So we focused on those. I love that. And, um, I wish I could show you the graphs because it's amazing <laughs> because we had, we had um, months of, of high aggression um, <clears throat> and duration of the aggression was a long time too. And then as soon as we mm-hmm. started in- implementing the values and helping him to make those connections, um, not only do we see a massive drop off, like if, if we have an incidence of, of self-injury or aggression, um, or property destruction, it is, it's very short by comparison. Now it's, it, it'll last less than five minutes. And sometimes he, it, like, it'll be just a momentary, I'm frustrated. And he's going back to that old behavior. And then we, we engage mm-hmm. those values. Um, but also if it happens once a month, it's unusual. Like it's massive drop off. Um, on top of that, we're, we're seeing him engaging in using his, um, electronic communicator more he's learning sign language and communicating with his community more oh very cool he's starting to learn and access skills that help him to connect with people more and it all has to come back to this framework of looking at internal behaviors and looking at the whole person Mm -hmm. Because certainly the the external behaviors, and that's that, that's actually kind of where the I guess this that, that critique of of Doctor um, Hates uh, perception of behavior analysis I can I can or behaviorism comes in. Um, so the the incorrect perception is that behaviorism only is concerned with external stimuli. Um, or, or stimulus control is another way of saying it, basically saying that the external environment has control of behaviors. And that is true to an extent. What ACT does is it takes it the, to the next level of, and of bringing it in to include the individual as a part of the environment, the internal environment and the external environment 
are the only separation is the fact that the individual only perceives it versus the external environment. Everything is perceived by everybody. And so Absolutely. Um, I like to say that ACT is a self-management tool because that's what mm -hmm. it is. Um, it's mm -hmm. a, it's a, it's a way for people to be able to understand and perceive their internal environment in a way that they can interact with it and control it. Um, and not control as in hold tightly and I'm going to force you to control it as in you are a part <laughs> of it, as in you're, you're harmonious with it, it um, mm -hmm. instead of it being a battle. Um, and that's the beautiful thing about ACT. Um, so we've been talking a lot about ACT, uh, but let's, let's dive in very quickly because I know you've got a little bit of a time limit um, to what the foundations are. Um, and, and ACT starts with the foundation of something called relational frame theory, which is an experimental analysis theory. Um, mm -hmm. And one that Dr. Hayes um, was instrumental in, in understanding. And it, it's very complex. And if you want to have an excellent sleep aid, get a book on that relational frame theory and try to read it while you're at <laughs> it. Because it, it is a rough read. Uh, <laughs> but ACT is the application component of that. And so to, to, to kind of boil mm -hmm. it down to a simple thing, I like to, uh, this is the perfect example that I've heard um, uh, for, for, for it. Um, think of that song that brought you joy and then something sad or tragic happened in your life. And now you hear that song and it brings you pain. Ooh. Yeah. Mine is Jason Mraz, Happy. That song brought me such joy at one point and now I hear it and it hurts. Mine would be Edward Sharp home. That was a song that my ex fiance and I, that we planned to, to play at our wedding and then things disintegrated before the wedding ever happened. And I'm still so bitter about it. <laughs> I hear that song and I just want to punch something. Yeah. I don't remember who it's by, but it was like, I, all of you, that was me and my ex is like the song that we would sing in the car. And it was super cute. Oh, another one you're talking about. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I know that. And now I'm just like, uh, do I want to listen to that song? Uh, I don't know about that. <laughs> and it's amazing how much our emotions can change around. Yeah. Something like that. Yep. And, and that's the start of the, uh, the understanding is that the human brain has this amazing capacity for drawing connections and making connections with things that are seemingly unrelated. What does a song mm -hmm. and an emotion of being happy or being sad have to do with each other? Well, every other species on the planet that we know of would be like, well, those are sounds. Okay. <laughs> right. <laughs> um, they've experimented with this with, with different animals and, and certain animals definitely have some components of, of music and understanding uh, tomb heart, tune harmony, things like that. But, but humans have a, a vast array when it comes to that. And, and yet it isn't the actual song that causes the emotion it does to an extent because there's certain tones and tunes that will, will elicit emotion. Yes. But sure. the emotion that we're talking about here 
is our relational frame. This is where we create connections in our brains, in our minds to things. And so the re very reason why people can listen to this podcast is because somebody made the connection that a one and a zero can represent electrical signal on and electrical signal off. And that you could put those together to create a language that allow you to code, that would allow you to be able to record language and transmit it over wires and then light because fiber optics is light. So seemingly <laughs> unrelated ideas that have absolutely no connection. You know what? That, let's, get, let's go back further. The idea of zero, the idea of null, non-existence. <laughs> Somebody was like, we need to find a symbolic representation of zero. The reason why the Roman numeral system is not superior to the uh, Arabic system is not because it's so clunky. It is. It's very clunky, uh, but because the Arabic system had the concept of zero built in. That is the biggest revolutionary thing right there is something representing nothing. I feel like you would be the coolest person to take on a camping trip and just sit around this big bonfire and just <laughs> blow people's mind with all of, <laughs> all of these facts of why does the universe exist? Uh, so much thought-provoking <laughs> stuff right now that I'm like, oh my gosh, I've never thought about this before, but he's right. <laughs> it's it's true. And that's one of the things I admire most about Brian. And it's actually, it, ACT is one of the reasons why I'm here uh, and why I was like, you know what, I should just try it because you know, get out of my comfort zone, have some personal growth because I want to learn from Brian. <sighs> because he has that ability <laughs> to just bring these words around. And like you said, we've been around many bonfires <laughs> where he's just sitting there talking to people. I just love thinking, it's their fun. Minds. And I'm just sitting there. Just I'm actually about, I'm going on a camping trip tomorrow. And I'm like, dang, I wish that Brian and Heather were coming along with me. Yet. I need this right now. <laughs> but I, no, I love what you're talking about and even relating it to the song that makes you feel sad and thinking about these these other therapeutic approaches that many of us may have tried and failed at. And, and I think for me, it, it's the, the symptom reduction of, of having a feeling of sadness or anxiety, fear, mm -hmm. these private events and, and these internal feelings and trying other therapeutic methods before. And it was always, I want this to go away. I want this to go away. And it, I've, I've been honest about that uh, previously of, of using substances to, to try to turn it off, to, to try to numb myself. So for me with the finding act and, and learning that, you know what, it's okay. We're not going to try to run these emotions off. We're not going to try to put all of our energy into driving this sadness away from you. Um, instead, I can be happy and, and have an, an enriched life and be a good mother, be a good friend, and, and be okay, even with having that sadness inside of me of acknowledging that and sitting with it. Yeah. And that, I think, for me was really a game changer of for even just for my own life and the direction it was going in. Mm -hmm. And that's, that's really important, because like, I, I, I don't mind the use of the term therapy because it helps people to open up a little bit, but, mm -hmm. but at the same time, I kind of do, because this isn't so much therapy in my opinion, as it is learning skills 
and then applying that. Sure. I'll give you and, that. And, and some therapies are like that. Like um, there, there are a lot of therapies out there like that CBT and DBT, uh, cognitive behavioral therapy mm-hmm. and dialectic behavioral therapy, very much skills oriented therapies. And technically speaking, ACT falls underneath the umbrella of self, self-help cognitive behavioral therapy. Mm-hmm. Um, and a, a guest that's going to come out on one of our other podcasts actually specializes specifically in cognitive behavioral therapy of the self-help variety. And um, he, he briefly, briefly mentions ACT because, you know, that's part of the, the podcast, but he, he mentions another approach. Um, and it's not wrong. It's another way of looking at things. It's another framework that we can consider things in. And that's the thing that I love about this is, is that where our minds are so powerful in finding connections that there are multiple ways of looking at things and they're not, um, sorry, no, I'm not going to say not. They are correct. They are correct. Um, and going so going to that, that idea of these ideas connecting, that's something that ACT is co- dubbed cognitive fusion. Um, fusion, mm-hmm. F-U-S-I-O-N. Um, and one of the steps in ACT, and I think it's one of the most important steps to start with, and you can a- approach it from multiple directions with ACT. That's the nice thing about it is it's not step by step, but I like approaching it starting with diffusion. Um, D-E-F-U-S-I-O-N. It's a made-up word, but it's not made up anymore because it's now a part of a <laughs> lexicon of a, an excellent approach to thinking. Um, and that's the idea of being able to con- disconnect the emotion, not fully disconnecting, as, but, but disconnecting to the point that you can look at it more abstractly from the thing. So um, mm-hmm. I practice doing this by listening to happy by Jason Mraz and practiced that disconnect. So that way I could hear the song as what it was, which was a very beautiful song. And also be able to see that the pain that was connected to it was also there and seeing them separately. Mm -hmm. And that's actually kind of bringing it to the next step in act, which is self as context. Um, Mm -hmm. And I like modeling self as context using me as an example, because I say I am autistic and that's true. But when I get a chance to be a little bit more verbose, which I like to do, uh, I, (laughs) (laughs) I like to say that I am a human who experiences autism. Mm-hmm. And, and that's what I mean when I say I am autistic, because that's a part of who I am, right? But is that all mm-hmm. that I am? Or is there more to sure. me? Am I, am I a being who loves fishing and loves musicals and will argue with my wife night and day over which is better, Kiss Me Kate, theatrical or, or cinematic? Theatrical. cinematic. <laughs> <laughs> uh, do I love science fiction and fantasy? Do I love diving deep into knowledge and exploring history. Those are all things that I love, but is that me? Mm-hmm. Is the me going to change so, just um, because my tastes change? I'm curious with, with the, the aspect of being autistic or with, with me of um, 
being ADHD or I have I have dyscalculia. I guess we don't say I am dyscalculia on on that one. Yeah. Um, I, I'm curious. So, so within the self as context, do you observe that as, as almost the thought right now? I'm, I'm having the thought I have an autistic diagnosis or, or how does that work for you when, when you are your observing self with this? So first off, um, I have a fun little theory and apparently it's very unique. I just recently found out. Um, but that theory is that autism and autism spectrum disorder are not the same thing. Okay. They're related. So you can be autistic and not have autism spectrum disorder, but you cannot have autism spectrum disorder and not be autistic. Think of it as a little Venn diagram where one circle is a smaller circle is inside of a larger one. The large circle is autism and ASD is that small one. And humans are fun and wonderful and lazy. And we don't like to use long <laughs> words. Um, and we try to avoid acronyming a lot too, even though some fields over acronym um, but when somebody says, um, I have autism, what they mean is I have ASD, mm-hmm. autism spectrum disorder. And when somebody else says I am autistic, they're saying that they are the neurotype of autism or they, they experience the neurotype of autism. And, okay. and the, and the big fight that's happening between the two sides is this fight of not understanding that they're saying two different things. Interesting. And, and every time I bring that up and help people see that, it's like, oh my gosh, I didn't think of that before. So, yeah. um, so to start with, <clears throat> if I experience a component of ASD, which I'm doing less and less as I move along because I'm learning skills and practicing them and applying them, um, then I see it as I'm experiencing this, right? Okay. But when it comes to my neurotype, that's all that I've known. So it is, it is the way that I think it's the way that I structure things, but so that, that is, that is kind of who I am, but it's not who I am because I, who I am is the being that observes and experiences. Right. I feel like this could be its own separate episode on, <laughs> on how you view this. It, no, I'm fascinated. I, I love learning more about this, especially when, we are, at, when I know we're saying mindful behavior, it's not an ABA group, but let's face it, we do have a lot of BCBAs and, yep. and we are dealing a lot <laughs> with autism. So this is a topic that I need to be well-versed in within the population I'm training people to, to serve and be a part of. Mm-hmm. Um, and then certainly our, our listeners right now, that, that's what they know. So it it's very interesting. And I feel like this is, a very important topic, especially with our current climate that we have. Yeah. Well, and, and part of it is reframing. So I've, I've reframed the, the term ADHD to be extreme multitasker. It's not, okay. it's not ADHD in my book because it's not a disorder. Okay. Right. It's, it's, uh-huh. a, yes, there are challenges that come with it and there are disordered components and some people need um, medications to support them, but it's not mm-hmm. a disorder. It's, it's a way of experiencing. Sure. And, and as someone with ADHD, I, I can follow that one a little bit better. Yeah. <laughs> I can relate more to that one. <laughs> and, and, and that's, and I'm, I'm autistic ADHD, all this other stuff. And when I say I'm, because I'm being lazy, I'm saying I am in a being that experiences things, things, but I didn't mm-hmm. come to this realization of how important this idea was until about a year ago. 
Like this is new mm-hmm. to me. Before I was so caught up in, well, I am this and I am that, and this is my story. And this is what I have to do because of these mm-hmm. things that I am. And, and you mentioned at the beginning of this, how when I approach things, when, when things are getting heated or, or when people are getting upset, uh, upset and that sort of thing that I'm, that I try to approach it with, um, with, with grace and kindness, I guess would be some good mm-hmm. words. That's what I try to do. Um, I try to approach it from the perspective of the other person is experiencing what they're experiencing and they're perceiving me in a certain way. And if I behave in a way that is aggressive towards them, then all it's going to do is alter that perception more. And the problem is a million percent. Yeah. A million percent. And, and so I'm not sure if you're a member of confessions of a behavior analyst or COBA, uh, I was a, a very heavily involved member for quite a period of time and was was a moderator for a period of time. But someone who who modeled beautifully for me, and, and I think a huge turning point in in my life and also how I began to engage with people more with this online persona, I was always more of the sarcastic, sassy, funny girl, uh, which I still am from you know from time to time. I was not so much. Um, trying to consider others' opinions or where they were coming from or holding space for them or coming from a place of curiosity with these, mm-hmm. with these conversations. It was always more of, I'm just the smart aleck or, or whatnot. And it didn't get me very far, if you want to know. <laughs> uh, burns a few bridges with that, that type of personality. But Kristen Lancaster, uh, she is one of the creators of COBA. And she has been so inspired inspirational to me probably way more than she realizes uh the happiness trap was actually a book she recommended to me when she knew i was considering filing for divorce she knew some of my backstory of trauma um i had experienced and i told her you know i'm i'm using alcohol more more than i want to so she was wonderful with my personal aspect of my life with with that and introducing me to act um, but also just the model of, of how she would communicate with people and hold that space for them or frame things to probe further questions instead of being so defensive. Um, and, and I watched her do that and saw how it changed other people and how they wanted to respond to her. So what, if I had engaged, could have been a fight with another person. With Kristen, it was very much, it was diffused, to use that word earlier, mm-hmm. Um, so, so that was, I guess, more probably the spring of, of last year. And it was, you know what, I'm, I'm tired of being this person who responds in this way and mopes in these feelings of, and just wanting to chase them away all the time. So Mm -hmm. that Kristen, if you are listening, um, thank you. You've been very (laughs) inspirational to me. And, And I think another person who does this phenomenally well is Dr. Megan Miller. And, and with the do better movement and had that not existed, Brian, you and I would not be sitting here talking today. Exactly. Uh, so I want to give a shout out to, to Megan as well. And our other behavior analyst in the field, I think historically, um, I'm not going to tell my age. I actually am younger than you, Brian, uh, <laughs> but I, I have been in the field now for, for almost 12 years. Um, historically, when I think of behavior analysts, it's very much a stereotype of um, know-it-all, pompous, 
um, a-hole. I'm not going to use the word. We use a disclaimer that we try to keep this family friendly, so I'm not going to use specific words there. Yeah. And, and we still see some of that happening with, with some of these um, more old school behavior analysts. But I'm so excited about our field right now. I know that we're at a point in time that the, this movement we were talking about, the actually autistic and ABA being under fire and the, there being this pendulum swing of wanting to do reform, which I am in, in support of. Um, but I'm not scared about the field. I'm not scared about the actually autistic. I think if anything, this is going to make us grow more as a field. Mm-hmm. I think that we are, we're going to look at other principles and practices of, you know what, maybe doing um, escape extinction for this four-year-old child, this isn't appropriate. What's another way I can help them when they are feeling these private events? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I genuinely do think ACT is, is going to be embraced by more and more behavioral analysts um, with seeing even in the last year of uh, just sitting back as an observer across very many different social media groups that are heavily ABA-based or are autistic-based of, of seeing the attitudes that are starting to change from behavior analysts and being open now to, to listening to non-behavior analysts of saying, you know what, maybe you're on to something. Um, you know what, maybe this quote unquote therapy uh, that because it accepts private events, maybe it is going to be appropriate for, for my own values and goals. And, and I think it's a beautiful time. It's a, what a wonderful time to be alive as a behavior analyst. Yeah. And uh, I can tell you that I've seen this benefit in classrooms with teachers. Um, I've seen this benefit with parents in parenting. Um, I've seen this benefit with um individuals, friends. Uh, Mm -hmm. I have quite a few friends that I've had to repeatedly remind and, and, and provide, you know, information for, but the friends who have pursued understanding act, um, amazing breakthroughs, amazing growth, Mm -hmm. things that they thought they would never be rid of things that they were trying to avoid. Um, they were trying to turn away from their pain to use, um, an act terminology, um, mm-hmm. now they've, they've learned how to accept it, which is a big part of acceptance and commitment therapy and training is accept the pain and turn towards it and see what it's there for. Um, mm-hmm. right now I'm writing an act book. That's kind of satirical. <laughs> uh, okay. cause I'm a, I'm a sarcastic jerk. <laughs> and I, <laughs> uh, that's not really you true. Are I, I, enjoy sarcasm. You <laughs> I think you it's are a lot observing of fun. that you're a sarcastic jerk. <laughs> exactly. Um, but the, I, I love humor and the value humor has, and, and I drafted a dedication. It probably will change. We'll see. But in the current draft of the dedication, I dedicated it to my pain. Um, I, and, and so very I, poetic because without that pain, I wouldn't be here. And that pain is there for a reason. And mm-hmm. that's a big part of it is understanding that if we try to turn away from the pain, then every that going back to that relational frame thing, everything is connected to everything. That's what humans do. We are mm-hmm. really good at making connections. And so if you're trying to turn away from your pain, it's like trying not to think about a pink elephant. Well, if you're thinking Mm -hmm. about a purple hippopotamus, then you're actually thinking about the pink elephant because you're trying not to think about the pink elephant. (laughs) I think about the purple hippopotamus, Mm -hmm. right? It's, it's, um, 
it's a silly, goofy little thing, but it's true. Mm-hmm. And that's the, that's, I think that's the primary reason why substance abuse is such an issue. Addiction is such mm-hmm. an issue is because we're trying, we're, we're not aware of our pain or maybe we are, and we're trying to turn away from that pain and be lost in something else. And we continue to be lost in something else mm-hmm. brings it back. And then we realize, Oh no, this thing that I ingested, it didn't really numb the pain. Let's go deeper. Let's go deeper. Let's do more. Let's do harder stuff. Let's keep going. And yes, sure. there's a chemical component. There's definitely a neurological and endocrinolo- endocrinological words um, component two substances that makes you want to come back to them. But where's the start? Why is it that men and women then served in Vietnam were experiencing really high rates of cannabis use, cocaine use, mm-hmm. um, other illicit substance uses, uh, and then when they left Vietnam and came back to a support network where they were cared for and taken care of, most of them stopped. That's very, um, I love that it it relates to, oh my gosh, I cannot remember the name now of of who the author was, but of Rat Park. You know what I'm talking about? Yes, I know exactly what you're talking about. I love that study. I think that's, it's so beautiful and, and, I feel like I need to look that up really quickly just to be able to actually <laughs> reference this for our listeners. Uh, but it, it's, it's Rat Park and, and very much what Brian was just alluding to, but in, in, in this, it was actual study that was done with these rats. And initially they, they were put into a cage with no friends, no, no external stimulation. And they were given a water bottle, uh, one, one just with water. And then one that had, I, I believe, was it heroin? Or I think it was heroin. Or opiate yeah. that, that was in it. Um, and and I, I, I can't tell you offhand the percentage, but a very high percentage of these rats became addicted. Um, but then they made rat park. So they took these rats and gave them friends and little rat lovers and little rat families and like amusement park of all the awesome rat things and all the cool rat cheese and everything they could want while leaving the, the water bottle without the heroin and then having the water bottle that, that had the heroin or opiate. And very little percentage of these rats actually went back to the laced water bottle. So I think that's so interesting. And then what you're talking about, Brian, with our, our vets as well. And and some of those rats would in Rat Park would go and use the water bottle with the opiate in it. Typically after, if I remember correctly, and I could be wrong on this, after there was like a fight or something. But then mm-hmm. once they reintegrated back into the group they would not use it again. I'm going to look this up just because I know that there's probably going to be people who want to listen. I remember this reading about this study too. So I remember, uh, but like you about, I remember just about as many details as what you've got over. So, (laughs) And and along those lines, there's, there was also a study done in Cambodia of the cattle in Cambodia and a particular plant, which name I do not recall off the top of my head. Um, But during the Vietnam war, there's a lot of bombing in Cambodia. And um, the water buffalo, I believe it was, of Cambodia were starting to eat this plant that they had never before eaten that was toxic and that would basically make them feel drunk. Like they experienced. I've not, I've not heard that one before. 
And um, this one that was Dr. Bruce Alexander in the 70s. And it, it says that it's just come to be known as the study frat park. Mm-hmm. And I think there was an Indian uh, doctor who replicated it uh, in the late 90s, early 2000s. I can't remember off the top of my head, um, but it has been replicated and with similar results. Um, but yeah, with after the the bombing and 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 stuff was done in Vietnam, those it was observed that those water buffalo stopped eating that plant. God, it's so so interesting. So we're just we're seeing it across species, yeah. uh, just of it's over and over again. But and the, it, I don't want to go off on a huge tangent on this, but of of listeners who may be intrigued of, about yoga or. Uh, how does yoga even come into all of this? I, I do want to direct our listeners mm-hmm. because most of us are scientists and we want everything to be evidence-based. A wonderful study, a narrative review of yoga and mindfulness is complementary therapies for addiction. That was done by Kana and Grease, Greeson. Uh, the year of that, I don't have... 2013 mm-hmm. uh, but just this wonderful study that was done of even how yoga be, being a tool for recovering addicts and in line with everything that we're talking about and, and a big key piece of this is the mindfulness component i think that the western culture we have really misinterpreted the the history and intent of a yoga practice mm-hmm. that we think it's all about the, the asana or the posture and we go to work and then we say, oh, I have to get my workout and let me go to hot yoga. And, and we're completely missing the, the rest of it that, that Padanjali, whenever he put out the, the history, the, the Hindu philosophy back in the second century BC, uh, this, this dates back to of what actually goes into this practice. And then you take a look at mindfulness and you take a look at act and it's, wow, these are so complementary mm-hmm. to, to one another. So I did want to throw that out there as well. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. And, and to kind of bring it full circle. So animals will use substances to numb and, mm-hmm. and they'll use substances to numb when they're experiencing. Um, I like to call it disconnection or, or disharmony. Uh, with their environment mm-hmm. to to help them cope, but once they're back in, they cope really well. And humans can do that too. Um, and and sometimes we put a little bit too much emphasis, in my opinion, on um, on disorders, and we forget that mm-hmm. that humanity is really cool. We can really figure out <laughs> things. Like we're really awesome in that way, and we're very adaptive. Um, and so, like sometimes we forget that there's post traumatic growth as well as post-traumatic. Oh, wow. Right. I love that term. Yeah. Well, I think blowing my mind again over here, Brian. (laughs) (laughs) I didn't coin it. And, 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 but you know, and I I can't remember off the top of my head who did, but if you look it up, you can, uh, you know, Google it or search it. You'll, you can find out who very quickly. Um, But the difference is, and that's, I think one of the big core questions that Dr. Hayes and the fellow, his fellow researchers asked was, what is it about humans, these certain humans that can grow after trauma instead of shrinking or, or, or being hurt or damaged? Um, mm-hmm. What is that thing? What are these things? And that's where I think one of the drives behind ACT is trying to understand. And here's the, here's the cool thing. If you practice daily, 
multiple times a day if you want. Weekly, if you really are feeling hesitant and, you're, and you don't want to commit that much, but just practice it. Just practice it a little bit here, a little bit there. Your psychological flexibility, and I like to add strength to that because I feel like strength and flexibility are, are, are two similar but not quite related things, um, mm-hmm. but it will increase. Your ability to handle things will increase. Um, there's a, a theory out there called stress diathesis hypothesis, which is the idea. Mm-hmm. It's a big old mouthful and I always mess up on it. So I'm very happy <laughs> this time, but it's, it's this idea that everybody has an upwards limit on what they can handle for stress before they break. And it's an interesting concept and I, I haven't delved too deeply into it. Um, so I don't know if, it, if, if this is taken into account or not, but my experience is as you learn skills and, and you learn how to manage your internal and external environment, your capacity to handle stressors increases. And life is stress. Mm-hmm. Like we sleep life so is that we can deal <laughs> yes. with the stress of gravity on our bodies. Like literally, mm-hmm. if you get a really solid night's sleep, you gain a, a centimeter or two in height. Uh, that's your body. I didn't know that. Yeah, your body is recovering and kind of decompressing and allowing you to be mm. able to like stress is, is built in. And, and that's one of the core ideas of ACT is that life is filled with pain and pain is inevitable. Mm-hmm. But suffering is not inevitable. Suffering Absolutely. can be optional. And that's the biggest component of ACT that I love. Um, or to use my little sarcastic side, uh, life is a carnival <laughs> of horrors. <laughs> and if you can embrace the beauty and within that carnival then the horrors become less and the beauty becomes more we really do put put power in what we focus on and um values and committed action are a big component of that because if i can identify my values and, and commit to move towards them if I can commit to be in the present more often than not, rather than living in the past or in the future, living in the past mm-hmm. is trauma. Living in the future is anxiety. That's an mm-hmm. oversimplification, but that's, that's sure. a, it's an important the basics, thing. right? Yeah. Um, if instead of trying to avoid the experiences that I have, if I can accept them, Acceptance doesn't mean you have to and like accept them, them and, and be, I, I want to add one more to that. Be curious about them. <sighs> that curiosity is important. Mm-hmm. It's, mm-hmm. it's, it really is. Um, and it's hard. I feel like we have a, so many other future <laughs> podcasts of things that, that we, we should talk about. And I, I would, if you all are open to it, I would love to dive a little bit more deeply into some of the critics or naysayers of how, how can ACT be utilized in ABA when everything we do needs to be observable? And, and even though many of us are radical behavior analysts with understanding and accepting, yes, there are private events, mm-hmm. but we still have so many naysayers of, of, are you actually qualified to do this? Or you're not a mental health professional. Can you really do ACT? And I think that curiosity is peaked. For, and I love that, the curiosity. <laughs> I think that it is peaked for, for many behavior analysts, especially some who may be more of old school uh, approach that 
um, they may be open to this, but they just need to know more. They need to understand how this works. And I, I love that you brought up your client you had that, that was so much aggression and all of this stuff, X, Y, Z of behavior analytically, I'm, I'm doing air quotes, that, that had failed him. But then when altering this one thing, what's valuable to him and how can we meet that? And then what a change that, that we saw, you know, love to talk about that or uh, maybe a couple of things that I've experienced or, or even, I, I don't want this to turn into just drop the research or anything, but <laughs> directing people into, if you are curious about this, here's a wonderful article for yeah. you to look at that talks about ACT and, and ABA, which, by the way, I have one for you. Uh, I was going to wanted to quote that earlier. We didn't quite get into it. It's okay. But it's 2016 article from, from Audrey Hoffman and uh, Beth Contreras, Casey Clay, Michael Twohig, but acceptance and commitment therapy for individuals with disability, a behavior analytic strategy for addressing private events and challenging behavior. And, and that was from Behavior Analytic Practice Journal 2016. Okay. But if you want your mind blown, like the way Brian does all the time, dropping <laughs> this knowledge on us, the, the way that they go through and, and they look at every single component of ACT and they break this down with this hy um, hypothetical client of this is how you would do this. Oh, you don't understand this. This person's primarily non-vocal. How would you address this? Here's an exercise for that. And it's just a beautifully done composition of these collection of studies and articles um, that I do encourage our listeners that, that if you are on the cusp right now and, and you're interested in, in ACTS, but you're a little bit hesitant of, is this my science? Please start with that journal. And then if you want to have a further dialogue, you can buy me on Facebook. <laughs> exactly. And, you know, that's, that's the, the beauty of this is that it's exploration, um, that it's discovery. Mm -hmm. um, the thing that I love most about ACT is that it is interdisciplinary. It's not limited. Mm -hmm. um, it, it would fall underneath uh, a new-ish dis new discipline, I should say, called uh, Applied Contextual Behavior Science, or ACBS, or CBS, Contextual Behavior Science. There's so many different ways of saying it, but the idea mm -hmm. is that instead of it being limited to one branch of psychology or, or ex of human discovery, I guess you could say it's asking those mm -hmm. questions. It's, it's going, Ooh, what are the anthropological components of this? What is going on neurologically? What is happening? Mm -hmm. Like what components of evolutionary biology are, are occurring here and being engaged? What is really happening? Um, and a lot of times people forget that, or, or maybe aren't even aware that behaviorism uh, specifically and radical behaviorism, uh, even more specifically, evolved in a time when technology wasn't to where it is now. Um, and so behaviorism, specifically methodological behaviorism was kind of the, the beginning of that, um, was that argument that that the only thing that counts as behavior is stuff that we can observe. And so thoughts and feelings and things like that don't count. And the reason why B.F. Skinner dubbed um, his branch radical behaviorism is he was saying, hey, here's a radical concept. If a being can do it, and even if there's only one observer, then it's still a behavior. And um, like most people don't realize this about B.F. Skinner because he kind of had 
kind of a stiff language choice because sure. well, he was a professor and it was a while ago that he wrote his books and, mm-hmm. and those sorts of things. But he was a very compassionate person and love him or hate him for other things. But he was very good at being human in a lot of respects. And I'm kind of convinced he was autistic, but that's just me. (laughs) Uh, I've heard that talk before. And now I agree with that. And even he, he came out with an article, um, mid 60s sometime, but he, he talked about even he was recognizing and and talking about the potentials of of the dangers with rule government behavior. Mm -hmm. Um, So, so even he was talking about that back in the Uh sixties and Mm -hmm. and we have so many people who love Skinner so much, but then they're so afraid to to even stab their toes into acceptance commitment therapy. So. Well, and, and thanks for coming to my Ted talk. (laughs) 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 Oh man, that's killing me. Uh, (laughs) um, Guys, I am going to have to jump off of here. Okay. Um, So we'll, I'll, I'll quickly wrap this one thought up and then I'll, and then then we'll run away if that's okay with you. Um, So uh, the, the important thing to understand is science is science and science is progressive. We learn and we grow off of each thing. Mm -hmm. We're not, we're not limited by the thinkers of the past. Were there things that B.F. Skinner hypothesized that were wrong? Yes. Are there things Mm -hmm. that he hypothesized that were right? Yes. We need to get less stuck on individuals and more stuck on the ideas that are important that help us to make these connections. And that's what this is about is Mm -hmm. it's about exploring and testing. And will we make mistakes? You bet your backside. Oh yeah. And it's going to be great. (laughs) And it's going to be a journey. I'm going to say something and someone's going to be, well, actually, and I'll be like, (laughs) (laughs) and my initial response will be like, Ooh, a big challenge. And then my follow-up response to that, uh, whereas Terry Pratchett would say, my second thoughts would be, okay, but is this person correct and not unchallenging me? And then my third thoughts would be, oh, they're trying to help me improve. Okay, we can move on um, and go from Absolutely. there. And, and the, the, uh, Terry Pratchett, a fantasy author who passed away a few years ago, amazing mm-hmm. book series, and he modeled act concepts in a fictional character of a little girl. First thought, second thought, What's third the, thought. What's the name of the novel? Um, so a hat full of sky is the novel. It's the Tiffany okay. aching series. Um, okay. it's based off of his disc world series. Um, but there's a, there's an individual sub series within that big one. And, and the, mm-hmm. she's a, she's a little witch I air quotes there. And the reason she's a witch is not because she has magical skills, but because she has first thoughts and then second thoughts and then third thoughts. Oh, wow. Okay. And so she can, she can examine her own thoughts and that's what makes her magical is that she's able to ask those questions. And, and I love, I love Terry Pratchett. I wish I had a chance to meet him before he passed, but whatever. Anyways, <laughs> so let's go ahead and wrap up the show. Um, mm-hmm. Folks, this is an open source podcast, which means that it's a, uh, you can utilize it for educational purposes um, uh, in whole or in part, just please remember to reference back to the original material um, Mm-hmm. Daily, thank you so much for coming on today. And sorry if I kept you a little bit too long. Um, let's definitely not do- at all. I got lost <laughs> in this with all of the the campfire blowing my mind talk that we had. So thank you. And Heather, it was so cool to finally get to meet you, air quote in person. <laughs> yeah, air quotes. I, I look awesome. Conversations <laughs> in the future. <laughs> 
All right. Absolutely. I'm really excited for what comes next for us. Thank you all. No problem. Have a good one.